Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Kenneth Vigia. And yes, it's my favorite time of year once again. We've covered a lot of ground with my favorite holiday. And I think these Halloween specials in particular are some of our best work. We've explored Ray Bradbury and old-time radio horror. We've done vampires and monsters, the devil and witches, a haunted children's book, and an even more haunted drive-in. But this summer, when the first leaf of our 125-year-old maple began to turn, a memory flashed up from the ether, and I found the hook to dangle into the dark place in the back of my mind to haul in this year's catch from beyond. When I was a kid on those forever autumn days back on the seacoast, The duty of flashlight-holding sentinel, as my vampire self wandered door to door, was my dad. My mom always stayed behind to hand out candy. But more than that, to man our hi-fi stereo deck. Earlier in the evening, just after dinner, the freshly carved pumpkin would be placed on the doorstep, and the stereo speakers hauled out from the corners of the living room and placed in the open windows of our little house. Somewhere in the back of the stereo cabinet underneath Paul McCartney and Beatles records was a single orange cassette tape. I never knew where that tape came from, perhaps Kmart or Zares, or any one of the New England department stores lost to time. In it would go, and all of a sudden our front yard, and much to my grandmother's annoyance, the entire house was plunged into the chain-rattling, 
blood-curdle screaming soundscape of a haunted graveyard. Neither Freddy Krueger nor Michael Myers gleefully giving teenagers what for on the TV in the living room could compete with the cranked-up audiophonic terror. As near as I can tell, the first Halloween sound effects record was released in 1961 by Sounds Records, called Spooky Sound Effects. And Walt Disney, always keen to be on trend, released an album of their own three years later. What you may not know is that once upon a time, the free prizes in special Halloween editions of breakfast cereal were incredibly unique, and at one point included a cardboard playable record on the back of the box that you could cut out and play. The record included sound effects and spooky stories for children that I re-listened to digital remasters of every year. This episode, we are joined by two very special guests. My good friend Wes Johnson, the voice of many a character in Bethesda games, and Casey Manillo, most recently heard in Starfield, but perhaps known best as the voice of Shinji Ikari in Neon Genesis Evangelion. They're joining us as we continue to raise money for the humanitarian work of Project Hope. This Halloween, we've created a very special, limited edition box of sugar bombs for you. That deliciously sweet way to start your autumn day. Reach inside the box now. And for pity's sake, don't spill those puffed atom bombs. If you're very lucky, your hands will close on a blinking holotape and a read-along book. Your free prizes inside every box. As you carve your pumpkins, we invite you to listen to a story a little different from our usual fare. In the grand tradition of scary read-along books on tape. In that regard, the bulk of our tale is a narrative-driven story, but the narrator himself is one you'll most certainly know. Just make sure to light your jack-o'-lantern before the last light of day fades from the sky. Not everything that knocks on your door this night is looking for candy. Some of them are handing out leaflets. An exclusive invitation to a seemingly idyllic place we call Little Sanctuary of Horrors. Yes, sugar bombs. The uniquely shaped atom bomb cereal with explosive. 
explosive great taste. Yes, kids, no other cereal is like Sugar Bombs. Pumps of wonderfully crispy, crunchy whole wheat with an overabundance of sweet sugary frosting. Sugar Bombs contain 100% of your daily recommended allowance of sugar and are chock full of go power. Carbohydrates to get you through your leaf-raking day and trick-or-treating night. And kids, look for the special free Halloween Scares Holotape and read-along book from Shadow Toys in specifically marked packages of Sugar Bombs. Over two hours of spooky sound effects, ghastly ghouls, and villainous vampires, and an original story that you can follow to along at home. And remember, when the leaves started dropping, and pumpkins galore. There's only one breakfast cereal that you'll just adore. Backed with patriotic power and explosive great taste. Sugar bomb cereal won't blow up in your face. reading. Whole area was sterilized, wiped clean. Pockets of extreme radiation. There's not even a point in scabbing here. Any useful technology is sand by now. I'm heading back to camp. Copy that. Base camp is packing up now. Get a move on, scout. Yes, sir. Brown out. Ah! <sighs> 
quality stale, but breathable. At least there's minimal rads down here. Wherever here is. Radex. Never leave camp without it. This is Scout Jonathan Brown to Base Camp Delta. Come in. Brown to Base Camp Delta. Please respond. Base Camp Delta. Report. Fell through into some kind of cavern. Rad suit is torn, but I'm in a rad-free spot at the moment. Looking for a way out now. But I may need a hand. Sending engineers. Be a few hours. Hold tight, Brown. Good job, Brown. Now how the hell are you gonna get yourself out? Huh. I'll be damned. A super duper mart. <laughs> Base Camp Delta. Uh, not sure if you're getting this, but... It looks like I fell through the roof of a super duper mart. Might wanna... Sound out a squad. It's mostly intact. Looks like it had been subsurface when the storm swept through. Earthquake, ground collapse or something. Whole thing down here is mostly intact. A lot of spoil, but we've got tons of canned goods down here worth collecting. Base Camp Delta, I'm losing you. Base Camp Delta, come in. Base Camp Delta, please respond. few hours away. They know where you are. Cool, calm, collected. <laughs> Pull it together. <laughs> Might as well do some shopping. Clean up on aisle nine. We're gonna need a lot of mops, boys. Hello? Someone there? Maybe I can get the fusion generator running. Ah, there we go! Looks like the core is drained. Fingers crossed. Nice. Now, let's see. Fuse box. Someone stuck tape over some of these switches. Ah, let there be light! Unsettling. Got some light at least. Base Camp Delta! Can you get a move on? This place is giving me the willies. Don't forget those 
Halloween. Forgot all about Halloween. Aisle 9 it is. Okay, what have we got here? Sugar bombs. 100% of your daily allowance of sugar. Free holotape inside. Huh. Halloween scares. This is the Shadow Toys read along holo tape called Halloween Scares. Available in specially marked boxes of sugary sweet sugar bombs. Hi, boys and girls. I'm the storyteller. The story you are about to hear is told from the perspective of two characters. You can read along to this story at home, or whenever you hear this sound. Oh my god! Simply flip your book upside down and turn the page. Ready? Let's begin our first story. Little Sanctuary of Horrors. This story doesn't start down the street or once upon a time. No, children, it starts in the not-too-distant future. Our story begins on the other side of the apocalypse, in a world where time itself remains mute. Her hands frozen on paint-peeling dials, in positions that serve as an epitaph to the foolishness of man. The war to end all wars has come and gone. It is a time when the gilded-paged promised rapture never came, and yet the great flesh-rending fires did. And yet, while the great cities lay in ruin, Appalachia remains a green-jaded jewel of verdant forest surrounded by wastelands, an oasis of the forever autumn, and the last Halloween the old world would ever know. Far to the east in the boggy, sun-dappled mires sits the little walled-off town of Sanctuary Acres, an improbable slice of Americana in its heyday. Yet, for all its picture-postcard perfection, it is a town whose history would fit on a single page. Wide streets are lined with autumn-hue-splashed maples that wink in a slight breeze at the humble homes framed by white picket fences and lush green lawns. It is a quiet and peaceful place, yet somehow foreboding. It abounds in local superstitions, mystery, and haunted locales. Our story begins on a cool autumn late afternoon. Running along the sidewalk, dodging lemonade stands, lawnmowers, and kickballs is the subject of our first perspective. That of a youngish oaf of a man named Chad who personifies everything you've ever heard about that name. 
There he is just now, dashing into Brian's candy and malt shop, the local hangout for the teens, or rather, the people who think they are teens in Sanctuary Acres. Happy Harvest Tide, everyone. <laughs> well, ice my cupcakes and pull on my taffy. Chad Lockhart. Chad. Hey, Chad. It's Chad. Yeehaw! Hey, donkey man. You ready for the big game? You know it, boss. We're gonna own the field. What's the apps, Big C? Well, gang, we're all set for the big dance at the school. Wait till you see the decorations. I was wondering where you were. You missed our usual after-school candy binge-eating and sing-along. Yeah, sorry about that, Candyman Brian. I was volunteering for setup for the Harvest Festival. <laughs> but that's okay. We'll start again. Who can take a sunshine? Sprinkle it with dew. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. Mr. Mayor! Happy Harvest Time, everyone! Gosh, you all look so prim and proper in your letterman jackets and hoop skirts. Do you like mine, Mr. Mayor? I sewed it myself with traditional 18th century hand seam techniques. Well, isn't that just fantastic? I just popped in to say hello. And don't forget about our big harvest festival. I want to see all your bright, smiling faces there on Halloween. You can count on us, Mayor. That's the civic spirit I love. Good night, gang. Mind the curfew. We will, sir. <laughs> well, Chad, before you waste another minute, have a taste of this. On the house for our star quarterback. What is it? <laughs> it's something I cooked up in the soda fountain. It's a pumpkin spice Nuka-Cola. <laughs> Here, catch. Gotcha. Heavy on spice there, Mr. Williams. Maybe you better take it back. Wait! <coughs> well, uh, there goes another wall. What in the name of vault Tech was that? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I think it has too much radioactive pumpkin seed. Or maybe gel ignite. Uh, pardon me, Patsy. Uh, did you finish your essay on the westward expansion yet i i couldn't find a, a good basis for mine oh i finished that days ago you seem to know a lot about thomas jefferson i would stick to an argumentative essay format and explore as posit that the republic was dependent on independent virtuous citizenry for its survival he felt the essential element of independence was land ownership to sustain the virtuous citizens of the Republic. You know, there's a good quote from Jefferson on the subject that you can include. Those who labor in the earth are the chosen people of God. Thank you, Patsy. Gosh, you're sure smart. Just good genes, I guess. I'll say. Oh, no. Here goes Tiffany. Uh, everyone's least favorite paper shaker. Want to see my special move? I made it just for you. Gimme a seat. See. 
Give me an H. H, give me a... Whoa, look at the time. Come on, Moose. Race you back home. It's a deal. Hey, I didn't finish my cheer. Uh, save it for later. Cheese it, Moose. Wait, come back. Want to play backseat bingo with me sometime? We could be special together. I could jack your lantern. <clears throat> Quite. Anyway, little Chad and his friend Moose dashed through the town to their familiar street, neck and neck. Just ahead, hidden from view by the hedges, Chad's neighbor, Mr. Wilson, was wheeling out his trash barrel. Mr. Wilson, watch out coming through. At the last moment, Chad collided with the trash barrel, sending both it and Mr. Wilson tumbling backwards into his prize-winning flower bed. Chad Lockhart, no run in the streets. And if I catch you kids peeping at my wife one more time, I'll give you the strap. Golly gee, sorry about that, Mr. Wilson. Tell Mrs. Wilson she has the best pair of pepperoni rolls this side of Seneca Rocks. Oh, well, I, I, well thank you, thank you. You, I, I never, you kids just wait, you'll get yours. <laughs> Beats you this time. Only on a technicality. Yeah, yeah, sure. I gotta get home. Say hi to your folks for me. Now, little Chad lived in a whitewashed, modest farm, surrounded by fields of ripe buttercorn and patches of plump and ready pumpkins, just at the end of Elm Street. A broad smile is on his face, and why not? There is something in the air tonight, because the best holiday in all the lifelong year is just days away now. Better than summer and birthdays. Even better than Christmas. Halloween. He's pelting up the drive now. His dad waving from the farm stand. Mother smiling from the kitchen window. And apple pie cooling on the sill. Ah, yes. It's a... Perfect evening. But as you and little Chad will soon discover, this little town holds a dark, dark secret. One that is just about to rise up to the surface and unleash its horror upon them all. You see, Sanctuary Acres is a town where nobody and everybody dies. Well, what do you think, Ethel? Finally settled the great pumpkin debate? <laughs> I keep telling her, Ben. The short, fat ones make the best jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, Dick, everybody goes for those. You know the tall, skinny ones are the best. You tell him, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> Mr. Smith. Oh, hey, Pops. Son? Chad Lockhart, I swear you get bigger every day. Thanks, Mrs. S. Helping Pops this summer in the fields and laying new pipe really whipped me into shape before tryouts. I can see that. I keep telling Richard he's laying pipe all wrong out back. <laughs> yes, dear. You do keep telling me. Well, shucks. 
I could give you a few pointers, Mistress. You can watch me lay some pipe down and get the swing of it in no time. That's mighty neighborly of you, Chad. Oh, Lord. Here comes Mr. Wilson. Oh, that's my cue. Let me know when he's gone. I'll be hiding in the barn. <sighs> I wonder what Mr. H.O.A. is unhappy about now. Probably something my boy did. Again. Good evening, neighbors. Evening, Mr. Wilson. Now, before you lay in, we have a town patent for both the farm stand and the pumpkin patch and the haunted hayride. Oh, piss on your farm stand, Vince. Oh, my. Oh, no need to clutch at pearls, Ethel. Not when I've spotted a milkman hanging around your door for the fourth time this week. Now, see here, Wilson. What exactly are you implying? Oh, what the... That, that your Ethel there is a little uh, heavy-handed with the creamer in your coffee. Or, or the milkman is getting more than a, a five-caps to Basel on the return of his bottles. <laughs> well, I never. Well, clearly you do. But your radio drama debauchery is not while I'm here. For once, that's a blessing. Come on, dear. I left the Halloween lights and decorations guidelines in your mailbox, Smith. Fines are doubled this year. We aren't going to have a, a repeat of last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These two, bad marriage. Lockhart, bad breeding. I told them as such when they were courting. Hmm? Hmm? Yeah, well, clearly he manages his household as well as he does our, our local sports team. <laughs> you were saying, Wilson? Oh, yes. Vince, we have to talk about your boy. What's he done now? <laughs> Aside from running pell-mell up and down the streets like some kind of hoodlum, after finding one of your Brahmin helping themselves to my prize winning flower beds and leaving piles of oh, fecal matter, <laughs> I asked your son to dress manure in my garden. I recall. He went over yesterday and said he squared things up with you. Oh, things are square, all right. As usual, he took some uh, uh, creative liberty with my meaning and and didn't remove the manure. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he dumped 18 wheelbarrows full into it. Ah, well, look at it this way, Wilson. Come spring, you'll have the best soil in town. I won't put up with it, Lockhart. I really won't. Not on my block! Oh, oh, one more incident. Oh, just one more, and I'll report him to, to the Neighborhood Watch. Neighborhood Watch? Let me tell you this once, Wilson. Our last HOA superintendent ran the show just like you did. Sucked up to them just like you do. But you'll recall just how much that mattered in the end. People like you and your family think that just because you provide for hungry mouths in town that your function here makes you indispensable to mayor? Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Lockhart. When I look over here at your cows and their stench, your, your fields and their ear-splitting, endlessly cawing crows, oh, do you know what I see? Dirt. Filth. Everything over here is just so 
dirty because you all wallow in the dirt. It's on your faces, in your hair, it's on your clothes. You're one element of this entire street that doesn't belong, and I won't have it. Not in my home, not on my shelves, and not in my mouth. Good day to you. Just one thing, Wilson. You get your canned goods from Parker's Grocery? I do. What of it? Where do you think he gets his canned goods? You can come out now, son. Good job with moving that manure pile, but uh, maybe next time we find a different spot, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. How'd it go today? Well, it uh, would have gone a little smoother if a certain someone had come home on time and helped lend a hand. Neighborhood just about cleaned us out of the potatoes and the pumpkins we picked and rounded up yesterday. Uh, speaking of. Yeah, I know. Just don't do it again. Harvest time is important, and you know I can't do it all alone. You get a pass this time. Mr. O'Neill dropped by earlier and explained that you'd volunteered. Chores first, costumes and dancing come second. You're getting a little too old for Halloween anyway. Yes, Pop. Head on inside now and wash up for dinner. Your mom's bound to give you an earful. Mom, I'm home. Ooh, you're in trouble. Hush, Amato. Chad, where on earth have you been? You were supposed to be home from school two hours ago to help your father with the farm stand. Sorry, Mom. Lost track of time. You've been doing that an awful lot lately, mister. I was giving you another ten minutes, and then sending out for the neighborhood watch. Oh, it wasn't no shenanigans, Mom. Honest, I was helping Mr. O'Neill set up for Harvest Festival. This close to curfew? You kids never learn. Helping with setup, huh? Well, a little birdie told me that Mr. Do-Good was Mr. Making Good with Marianne beneath the bleachers. Chad, is that true? I'll tell you what's true. I think someone is a tattletale. That same someone who cut glass the other day to wave eyelashes at the soda jerk down at the malt shop. Shut it, chowderhead. You first, muttonhead. Enough of that, you two. And I think we need to have a little talk later, little miss. Yes, ma'am. That smells great. What's for dinner? Your favorite. Cram loaf, blanco mac and cheese, Corn on the cob, and... Unless my nose is deceiving me, a warm and ready pie. Man, oh man, I can't wait to smash my face right into that thing. In this household, everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, did someone say pie? Dinner first, and then pie. Here we are. Cram loaf surprise. Mm, boy, my favorite. Come on, everyone. Join hands. It's almost six o'clock. Oh boy, there he is. Shut up. We're supposed to be quiet. Enough, you two. Happy Harvest Night, Century Acres. It's me, your vote boy, Mr. Tri Centennial. 
tales told and another beautiful day. Before our daily solemnal, some exciting news from Sinclair High. Preparations are complete for our yearly harvest festival, hosted by the kids of Sinclair High this year, and by golly, it's going to be a Halloween too, remember? And don't forget, we hope to have full stands for tomorrow night's big game. Neighborhood Watch Units 5, 6, and 7 are active for this evening to keep us all safe and secure. Lastly, the Highway Department has closed Pine Street for road construction until further notice. Local residents only are permitted. Trespassers will be dealt with... swiftly. Now, if you're not doing so already, join hands and join us in the Solemno. For, for this day past, we give we thanks to those who have come before us. From, from the vault we emerged, this land, this land we reclaimed. In strength we endure, in unity, in unity we, we rebuild. We reject the unnamed, in doubt, in doubt we shall, we shall bind. bind. From, From cradle, cradle to grave, in vault we, we trust. trust. Good night, Century Acres! Young Chad and his family tucked in greedily. A traditional scene of the perfect American family gathered round the table in unity, sharing news of the day, hopes for tomorrow, and the thrill of the Harvest Festival swiftly approaching. As plates cleared, out came a warm and ready innuendo that your parents will chuckle about behind you, but that will go completely over your heads, dear children. <laughs> Man, oh man, what a pie. Now that hit the spot. Excuse me, Pop. Ma, got something stuck in my teeth. You're excused. <laughs> More coffee, hun? Well, sure. Pour me another cup, dear. Drink your milk, Amana. Yes, Dad. Boy, this milk is just the way I like it. Well, that's because the Vault-Tac Atom Shop refrigerator keeps everything at just the right temperature. Uh, you see, daughter, 32 degrees Fahrenheit is freezing. And laboratory tests have proved that 36 to 38 degrees is the proper temperature to maintain. Spacious storage, dual-zone cooling, and peekaboo vegetable drawer is what makes the Vault-Tac Atomic Shop refrigerator the smart choice in a household like ours. Okay. Oh, those pesky crows again, over at the rubbish heap. Dear, we're going to have to finish those scarecrows for your yearly Halloween hayride, or those crows are going to ruin everything. Amato, what do you think? Want to let the old man a hand with the last of them tomorrow? Oh, Vince, she probably wants to go to the big game with all the other kids. Watch a bunch of clodhoppers bang heads on the field, or help Dad make scarecrows? Mmm. Tough choice, Mom. Amada, don't take that tone with me, young lady. What's wrong, kitten? Stay up too late again? I seem to recall someone's light being still on when your mother and I went to bed. Well, shucks, Pop. I was just putting the finishing touches on my school report. Oh, that's right. Tomorrow's your big day. School report, eh? Lions, tigers, or bears? <laughs> None of the above. It's on the history of Sanctuary Acres. With the anniversary of Reclamation Day just around the corner and the founding of the town, I thought it would be a timely subject that would give me an edge. Our little Victorian to be. If I can beat out that bookworm Brian Williams, that is. 
What on earth is that terrible din? Something. My stars. A skeleton. <laughs> hey, Ma, don't be scared. It's me, your son Chad. Just trying out my Halloween homecoming costume. Looks like it worked. Well, what are you doing in the closet? I'm just getting my bones together. Can you help me look? Well, what part is missing? The head. What's all the trouble out here? It happens to be your son. Well, how about that? A real-life skeleton. It's a neat outfit, eh, pup? Well, sure. Sure is scary, all right. It gave me such a fright. It wasn't the costume. Mom just screamed when she saw your face. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Eat a dick, Amata. Chad. Son, what kind of language is that in this house? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Pop. I, I'm not sure what came over me. I'm, I'm sorry, sis. Well, look, now you two, you're acting like a couple of unnamed. Yes, sir. Sorry, Dad. The last of the pie was finished off, and dishes were washed, crumbs were wiped off plate shirts, and little Chad headed out into the cool, whispering autumn night. A bucket of kitchen scraps in hand for the compost heap. Overhead, the stars twinkled in time with the rhythmic rustling of the dry, husky corn stalks in the field. Off in the distance, dozens of scarecrows guarded the line between field and forbidden forest. Their tattered clothes moving like ghostly shrouds in the nighttime breeze. From this distance, he couldn't see their grim, grinning, sack-hooded faces, but he could picture them all the same. They had frightened him, always, though he never spoke of his fears to anyone. Emptying the bucket into the pile, he entered the groaning barn. The echoing tinkle of Nuka-Cola and Hocus-Pocus's cowbells, giving him a chuckle as they heard his footfalls and expected dinner soon to come. Hey, ladies. Dinner time. Mind your manners now. Now, where'd Susie get off to? Get on over here. The subconscious mind is an odd little thing, like the shifting sands of an empty beach. Each bare foot shifts aside something hidden beneath. This cow, his favorite, the one he'd nursed back to health himself. He'd chosen the first name that came to, a name that peaked on tattered paper written in crayon in the shifting sands at the back of his name. Susie. Eat up, kid, so you grow big and strong. <sighs> I don't know, girl. Sometimes I feel so at home here, and other days not at all. But on my worst day, you're always here. Oh, holy hell. He isn't going to sing, is he? Lift up your head. Wipe off that irradiation. Here, take my rat away. Clean that dirt away. Show me your face. Glowing in the morning. I know things are tough, but now they're okay. Suddenly, Susie... Standing beside you You don't need no gas mask Don't have to pretend Suddenly Susie Is here to provide you Sweet understanding Susie's your friend Nobody ever treated me kindly In the wasteland it's chaos and war 
I'd meet a scabber and I'd follow him blindly. He'd point to danger. Me, I'd explore. Suddenly Susie, standing beside me. She didn't give me orders. She don't condescend. Suddenly Susie is here to provide me. Sweet understanding, Susie's my friend. Tell me this feeling lasts till forever. Tell me the radiation clean washed away. Please understand that it's still strange and frightening. In this post-apocalyptic world, it's so hard to say. Suddenly Susie... She purified me. Suddenly Susie showed me I can, yes you can, learn how to be more a survivor inside me. Survivor inside you with sweet understanding. Susie's your friend. Well, wasn't that touching, kids? Chad rubbed Susie gently behind her ears, breathing in the earthy smell of hay and the cool air drifting in the window from the pumpkin patch behind. Just then... A sharp, cutting noise like nails on wood, split the air. The cows startled and retreated to the back of their stall in fear. Dad? Dad, is that you? Mama, that's you messing around. I'm gonna smack you a good one, you hear? Exiting the barn warily, muscles tensed, he crept around the side of the barn. Just ahead, the white paint, alligator skinned from sun, rain, and layers of whitewashing, was now scarred. A long, trailing gash exposed the wood beneath. Uh, I'm not messing around, whoever you are. You best get out out here before I skin your hide. Swallowing his fear, he crept towards the line of corn stalks. I is someone there? <laughs> ah! <laughs> Gosh, Chet, I got you good. You look like you're plum ready to jump out of your own skin. Moose, cut it out. You almost got walloped a good one. What are you doing out this late? It's almost curfew. Neighborhood watch catches you and you'll be finished. Neighborhoods, neighborhood. I ain't scared. Besides, there's something really cool I need to show you. And it can't wait. Come on. Come on, Moose. If my old man catches me heading out in the fields this late, he's bound to ground me. And we can kiss our Halloween plans goodbye till next year. Come on. It'll be quick. Promise. Or are you chicken? Ah, uh, fine. But let's be quick about it. Ah, yes. Joe Martin. Moose to his friends. His blood brother, his dark-haired twin, 
A friendship forged not in years, but in moments of leaf-kicking, bait-dobber fish-splashing, wind in their hair running, wind-swept leaf-moments too numerous to count. Moose-leading, they hurried into the deep hollow behind the house, foreboding, perhaps, to strangers, but to them it was the domain they alone had ruled since childhood. In a sequestered glen, surrounded by a grove of vine-choked trees, the ground sloped away, down to a small creek. The slope concealed an earthen cave, framed by the torn-up roots of an ancient and great tree, knocked down by a storm long, long before. This close to the wall that encircled the town that rose up high just across the creek, the heart of their domain deep in the woods was completely concealed to any who would stroll by unless they shoe-soddingly had trudged along the creek itself. Many years before they had done just that, finding the cave and its clearing, but far more excitedly, an old Voltec van, now long since past the point of driving. What once had meant to speed along the roadways of Appalachia, crying out and forewarning of doom with the same zeal as Paul Revere, had been repurposed over summers hence. It had been their spaceship, a castle, a Union soldier camp, a haunted pirate cave, and more recently, a more private lover's lane, all their own, for entertaining poodle-skirt-wearing boy-curious classmates. Come on, man. Come see. Took forever to haul it out here, and then try and set it back up. Set what back up? You didn't move my stuff, did you? Come on, man. We had this place all decorated for after the bonfire to bring the girls back. Get a load of this! Okay, I'm looking. It's a bunch of junk. To the untrained eye, my friend. This here... Still. What? No way. Where'd you find it? I was clearing out that old lot for Mr. Fletcher down behind the library, and it was under a bunch of trash. Fired it up, and it still worked. Here, check this out. I had some recipes for some beer and stuff tucked inside. Have a steal. Are you out of your head? This stuff is like grade A illegal in town. If someone finds out... No one is gonna find out. No one ever comes back here. Come on, try it. Grasping the dirty mason jar, he raised the foul liquid to his mouth, the vapors sending his eyes into watering tear-streaked frenzy. He sipped. The fire ignited his gums, the warmth flooding down into his belly. <coughs> Gosh, oh, that burns. It's pumpkin moonshine. Come on, finish it. I've got more cooking up for us to share around after the big game. All of it? And I've got two of these already. Okay. Choking and sputtering like an old car, Chad did in fact finish it. The warmth in his belly radiated upward, and he stifled a giggle. His brain, foggy, pleasant sensation, was interrupted by a terror-inducing sound. Curfew. Ah, uh, 
Hell's bells, I gotta get back. Darn! Me too. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Come on. Running and tripping their way back along a muscle memory path that even slightly intoxicated they knew by heart, they found themselves once again by the barn, sweat running down their backs. Oh, 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 damn, dude. Oh, that pack's a punch. Yeah, man. I've got a jet. Hey, what about the barn, dude? What about it? My old man's gonna see these scratch marks and he's gonna be pissed. I didn't do that. Before, when you were messing about? That wasn't me. Fear paralyzing them both. They looked behind them at the rustling corn stalks and the wall of scarecrows far beyond. Before Chad could even comment, Moose was running as if the devil were on his heels for the lit, safe windows of home just down the street. Chad slowly backpedaled, gaining speed until tripping up the porch stairs. He was inside the safe, warm kitchen. Safe behind a now chained and bolted door. Moving to the kitchen window, he could still see them illuminated by the moonlight. The two wooden cross frames just at the top of the hill. Two empty wooden cross frames that had held scarecrows when he first went out to the barn. Bun? Ah, uh, Dad. You okay? Coming a little close to curfew, aren't we? S sorry, sir. Ladies were lonely out there, so I, I stayed with them for a while while they ate. <laughs> you know, I swear they produce better tasting milk every time they get a session of head rubbing from you. <laughs> yeah, I got some moves. Well, what's that smell? S smell? Yeah, you spilled something on you. Oh, yeah, I, I tripped over some stuff in the barn looking for the lantern. I sp spilled some cleaner on me. Well, better get changed and tossed in the sink. Your mother will have kittens if you get whatever that is all through the laundry. The family retire to the living room to listen to the Voltec radio hour. They gathered around the warm, crackling fireplace. Pa puffing away on his pipe thoughtfully, the little missus knitting autumn sweaters, and little Chad and Amata worked on costumes and homework. Ah, yes. It was a perfectly idyllic scene in a perfectly idyllic town. Isn't that just such a wholesome image, boys and girls? We'll see what we can do about that presently. <clears throat> Outside, the whispering dark grew in close, a fog rising up from the pumpkin patch and drifting lazily across the fields, swirling through the corn stalks. The harvest moon, ruddy and full, peeked over the horizon. The shadows from the hollow behind the farm stretched long, clutching fingers towards Elm Street, shrouding the house in advancing, shifting bars of darkness. The mantle clock chimed eight times, and the radio programming faded to static. The children rose for bed, and as father was turning off the radio, a shrill, panic-stricken scream shattered the night air just outside the window. What was that? Oh, Vince! 
Don't open the door. Stay away from the windows. They'll take care of it. It came from across the street. I, I think it's the Smiths. Son, get away from that window. The Smiths? Oh, but dear. Oh, no. Ethel and I were supposed to play bridge on Saturday. There's nothing we can do. Close the curtains. There's someone running out the house. Uh, they're coming this way, Dad. Perfect. Just perfect. Out of the way, son. Go put the bar across the back door and shut all the curtains. Yeah, Dad. Dear, take him out of upstairs. Close the bedroom door and don't open it until you hear from me, okay? Uh, okay, dear. Come on, Amada. Is everything going to be okay? Yes, honey. Uh, yes, come on, honey. Help! Oh, God! Someone please help me! Adrian! Vince! We can't help you, Ethel. Leave. Get out of here. Back door's secure, Dad. Go upstairs to your mom and sister. I won't stay down here and help. I said get upstairs to the women. I said no. Of all the... We will talk about this later. Push my chair over here. I need to brace the door. Sure, Dad. Sure. Please, please, let me in. It's Richard. He... He's gone. He just... He stood up and started screaming and then melted away. He melted away. Please. You can't let them find me. I said we can't help you, Ethel. Now get the hell off my property. We don't want no part of it. Vince. Vince, it's me. We've known each other for years. We helped each other harvest. We're friends. Please, God, let me in for the love of God. Let me in. You have to hide me. God, they're coming. Please, please, tell them. It's too late for that. The, uh, unnamed. You have no name now. No, no, you know me, you know my name. Unnamed, 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 unnamed at the door, unnamed at the door, and a voice that speaks no more. No, no, please. Anyone watch is coming, it's so much fault. We didn't do anything. Richard didn't do anything. He, he just, he came apart. We saw it. It's all true. You hear me? It's all Unnamed, you have no voice. Justin Voltec. Justin Voltec. Go away. Just go. Not this house. Not my family. Dad? Is it over? Yeah. Should we? No, don't open the door. Come on, just, just, let's go upstairs. I'll clean up in the morning. I don't, I don't want your mother and sister to see this. Just outside the door, the ember-lit outline of a woman who had once been named Ethel the Cannibal in another life, now unremembered, smoked on the surface of the sturdy front door. Crickets silenced by screams now slowly began to rejoice the night's chorus, accompanied by a new sound. Corn stalks crackled in the field as the grim, slender figure of a scarecrow in tattered clothes trailed mildewed hay behind it as it stalked away back into the fields, effortlessly dragging behind it a still-smoking corpse. Oh my God! Now... Flip your book and turn the page 
as we change our perspective to that of another boy named Simon, trapped in a frozen nightmare for oh so many a year. But just now, just now, is waking up in familiar surroundings, and yet to a world so different. showing the passage of time since wide-eyed and full of hope he had left it, dripping the ice that held him in its embrace, now melting away. He groggily rose to his feet, joints still stiff, and looked back at the cryogenic pod, hooked up to a hobbled-together piece of machinery. Curious, he approached it. Life support of Vault 76 has been temporarily restored. Please exit the facility immediately. Pardon me for the lack of courtesy, but just who the hell is this? Who pulled me out? Access denied. How long was I frozen? Access denied. Terminal shutting down in three, two, one. Just what the hell is going on here? for being built to last. Open up! Happy Reclamation Day again. What the hell happened here? 
Vault 76 had been, for want of a better word, harvested. Panels lay discarded on the floor, wirings stream out like spilled innards, furnishings, computers, equipment, well and truly raided savagely. Yet another mystery to the growing list in little Simon's mind. Suddenly aware of the familiar weight on his arm, he lifted his Pip-Boy and flicked through menus, noting a heavy concentration of people in the mire, but nowhere else. Then his eyes glanced downward. No. No, it can't be. As Simon looked down in horror, his Pip-Boy showed him a great and terrible truth. The chronometer on his Pip-Boy, while the date and month had been forever frozen due to the actions of his overseer all those years ago, the year, oh the year, never ever lied. In four digits it read 2-1-1-0. Eight years since Reclamation Day. Four years since Chad had trapped him in cryogenic storage. Four years? I was in there for four years? Jake. Amada, no, 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 this can't be. This can't. Sprinting, adrenaline silencing stiff joints, he ran past empty cardboard boxes and long dormant Mr. Handys, pondering but not stopping on who had smashed all of them to pieces. Doors and corridors flashed past, his mind reeling of everything left undone. Voltec, the experiment, the Lazarus Array, and a crime against humanity. A crime now measured in lost time. Cold leads, a code to something he knew not what, but was it too late to do anything to stop them? Ah, the door, just ahead now, a vault door no longer mounted in its housing. It lay in an incongruous heap on the shattering concrete landing. Foul air wafted in, carrying with it an autumn smell of dry leaves and damp earth. The hell happened here? This has to be a dream, has to be a dream, this can't be happening. The autumn sky was filled with smoke, drifting up from below. Wide flaking ashes, drifting up, caught by the wind. Flakes of it, like fallen snow, found purchase on his hair. A fleck sticking to his skin, smeared by his hand. He looked down. Fingers rubbing the grey soot. He walked out onto the concrete landing towards the rails, and his eyes widened at the sight of a massive, burning pyre at Gilman Lumber, or what had once been Gilman Lumber, echoing up the now treeless hillside towards Vault 76. Sharp words cut into the air, as cultists danced rhythmically around the impossibly large sculpture, licked by flames. Simon fancied it as a perverse Christmas tree, if it had been conceived by a jacket-clad lunatic at the asylum. Fallen trees stacked high, 
bound by twisting and gnarled vines. The skulls of both animal and human hung like ornaments to the dark gods. The chanting stopped, and one by one the cultists held great pumpkins over their heads and cast them into the fire. Oh, this this isn't a dream. This is a fucking nightmare. Hello? Oh. Oh, shit. Not us. Purify all. You are not us. Simon knew those words. Those strained vocal cords, lit with their own burning inner fire. This was a new Appalachia. One in which the residents of Vault 76 were no longer alone. Things stalk through Appalachia like ravens of old, harbingers of death, the walking dead, forever on fire, slave in mind and body. You see, children, somewhere to the south gathering dust in a bottle of Nuka-Cola tinted with blood sat a vaccine never delivered because there was no one left to deliver it. The scorched plague had returned with a vengeance. A group of scorched, over a dozen at least, were now shuffling up the stairs towards him. These weren't the scorched he knew, no. They were trick-or-treaters from a nightmare, clad in tattered, damp, blood-stained costumery. A gathered horde, the likes of which carved turnips in the old world and pumpkins in the new were meant to ward against. These were the all-too-real demons of Appalachia, and Simon had just stepped out into a world they owned. Without word or warning, they were upon him, and he was torn. Nope, no, nope, see ya. Ah, fine. Without word or warning, he sprinted down the steps, making for the trees, dodging jagged stumps where old-growth forest had once been. Weaponless, he did the only thing he could do. He turned and ran like hell. His eyes darted for a place of safety, or at least a weapon to defend himself with. The Red Slow! The Red Slow! Yes, indeed. The Red Slow. Just across the covered bridge. The Red Slow with Jake, Amata, friends and safety. With time, maybe forgiveness. Swallowing his guilt, he beelined for the Red Slow. It's welcoming warm lights twinkling through the trees. Behind him, the horde of nightmare, plague-riddled trick-or-treaters grew ever closer. He plunged into a low-rolling fog as he emerged onto the road, the covered bridge looming like a shadow. But darker still was a shadow emerging from the mouth of it. He skidded to halt, but so did the horde behind him. What? The fuck? Oh, no. A great black 
bull, malformed and malignant, emerged from the gloom of the covered bridge. Red, cold, burning eyes glared at those gathered on the roadway. Two pairs, deeply set and red-rimmed within two great festering heads. Its nostrils flared, parting the fog in rippling waves. Great horns jutted out from the sides of its heads, viciously curved, pointed ends targeting them on the road. As the great bull smashed its hoof on the splintering, groaning boards of the bridge, the rest of it came into view. Upon it sat a rider out of time, wearing the clothes of another era. It wore blood-stained breeches and rusted buckle shoes, with a treadbare tattered cloak that waved in the breeze. Upon its head was a leering jack-o'-lantern, flickering flames emerging from within its rotting pumpkin innards illuminated the figure in an orange halo of fire. No, 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 no. Oh no, come on. Simon spun around to run, but the scorched horde, regaining confidence in numbers, began to advance once more. Behind him, Simon heard a great huff, like the exhalation of a great steam boiler, the fog shifting away from the beast. The ox reared back and let out a great, terrible bellow as the rider kicked its sides, drawing a sword from a sheath. It moved with supernatural speed, the ground quaking with each bone-crushing fall of its powerful hooves. Simon dived to the ground, his hands covering his head. Go away! Go away, go away, please go away, go away, go away, go away, go away. The sounds that met his ears were a symphony of sword slashing, limb chopping, hoof ribcage stomping fury as the scorched were decimated. When it was over, the rider turned back, the ox huffing. Simon, hands shaking, looked up in wonder and horror, and the rider began to laugh. <laughs> that got my dander up. You know, Sonny, they say that during sex you burn off as many calories as running eight miles. But you know, who the hell runs eight miles in 30 seconds? The rider removed the pumpkin from its head, revealing none other than Appalachia's famous old fart, Slick Willie. Sure, why not? Hope you didn't fill your drawers there, kid. These uh, scorch get a little bold in numbers, but beehive mind or not, when they get a load of this get up and old babe here, they head for the hills. Oh, hush, babe. You had your fill of blood sports. Mind your P's and Q's or you won't be studding till Thanksgiving. I remember you. Slick Willie? Of Slick Willie's water world? You're darn tootin'. Say, you, uh, 
You're one of them there vault dwellers. How'd you escape? From the vault? The door was open. The vault? No! From that prison colony. Prison colony? What prison colony? You best come on home to the wayward over yonder. Duchess will want to talk to you. You're the first vault dweller we've seen around here in years. Duchess? Wayward? Look, fella, I've been out of commission for a hot minute. What happened to the Red Slow? Where's Jake and Amata? Red Slow? Well, that place has been gone for years. Some goddarn raiders torched the place. Pity, too, that Amata could serve up a mean meat pie. Boy, howdy! Yeah, I'll bet. Where are they? With everyone else! The judge rounded them all up in some kind of big enclosed area off in the mire. A couple of fool raiders tried to get in that place, but it's wired for World War IV. Turrets and missiles, launchers for days. I don't understand. How did this happen? Well, like I said, best you talk to Duchess. She's a good gal. <laughs> You'll like her. The good Lord put all in the work the day he made her. <laughs> She's got a dump truck on her that'll make you wanna... Yeah, I get it. Let's go. You mean to tell me you walked on out of that place with no weapons or supplies? Wasn't much left. It's been pretty near cleared out. Well, here. You can have my spare. I keep her where it's warm. <laughs> my old pipe pistol. Well, I call her the llama. Did, did you just pull that out of your pants? Maybe you can just find me a stick or broom handle. Go on. Ask me why I call her the llama. No. Because if you pull her out of your britches, she spits. <laughs> I see. Well, um, anyway... Uh, Simon pocketed the uncomfortably warm pipe pistol as the glowing lights of the wayward greeted him. Slick Willie led Babe towards the paddocks, while Simon marched up the steps and went inside. Willie, that you, hun? Not as such, no. Well, I'll be damned. No. No, it, it can't be. What are you, crater or foundation? You steal that suit off a corpse? Look a little closer, Mort. Our guest has a Vault 76 pit boy on him. You can't just put one of those on, you know? Yeah, guilty as charged from Vault 76, blah, blah, blah. Look, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but I'm trying to make up for lost time here. Ha! It's working! He can find Soul and Polly! Mort, now, we've looked high and low. You know, by now they're gone, honey. We haven't had a peep in years. But maybe you could. Yeah, look, lady. Duchess. Duchess. And you are? I'm more. Fantastic, then. Here's what you can help me with. I need some information to bring me up to speed, and then I'm just gonna go. No distractions, no side adventures. I'm not going to go grave digging or letter carrying. Not interested in guarding funny robots, tending corpse flowers, or helping out star-crossed lovers. Everybody clear? Crystal. What an asshole. Yep. Now, what happened out here exactly? Jake, Amada, everybody. What did the judge do, when, and how? 
anything else we can give you free of charge? Less attitude. Well, kid, if this was any other day, I'd crack you upside the head with a bottle of our special blend. But you caught me on a good day. Information comes at a price these days. But there aren't exactly many of us left out there with a scorch plague raging. Jake, Amata, friends of yours? They were a long time ago now. You going to bust them out of that place? I can. On that, I'll give you a line of credit. Don't know how he managed it, but two years back, it happened all at once. Every one of you vault dwellers just up and died. We aren't exactly sure what caused it, but Roper let it slip that he had a hand in it. Roper? Leader of the Free Radicals. They came into power and were running things up north, clashing with Crater. But after the Scorch Plague swept through, there weren't enough left on either side of that battleground to keep the fight going. We haven't heard much out of them in almost a year. Well, with any luck, the son of a bitch is dead. Your lips to God's ears. Wouldn't mind getting a hold of one of those cars they got from the judge. He had working cars? Yeah, payment for services rendered and showroom new. Is the judge still operating out of Watoga? Vault Tech City these days. They've got that place fully operational and cleaned all up. Trade caravans in and out of there. He even got engineers to get the monorail working again for troop movements. But it's been a good year since we've seen any of them guard boys even come out of the city on patrol. Not much left for them to adjudicate these days. You never got the cure? What cure? The vaccine for the Scorched Plague. We all got it. The responders cracked that ages ago. We synthesized a vaccine. We all did. Where? AVR Medical Center. Dr. Uh, oh, Claire Hudson. She had a lab in the basement. Mort! I'll get on the horn to the underground. Using cryptid channels. If he finds out we got our hands on a vaccine... I know, I know. Underground? Was our little resistance once the judge started flexing his muscles out here. But it all fell apart without a cure or resources. Once those new cultists arrived and started taking territory, most of us retreated to bolt holes or smaller, more defendable places to wait for something, anything. Tell me what you know about this prison. <laughs> Calls it Sanctuary Acres. We don't know much about the layout or what things are going on in there. We've done some trading, and I've done my fair share of a entertaining for some of those judiciary boys. But even they don't know what's going on. They rounded all your people up, packed them on in, and we never heard or saw from them again. Been years now. No one's ever escaped or tried to escape? No one. Not ever. The place is sealed up tight as a drum. A while back, there was some big fire. Columns of smoke. But we never heard a peep. You get your gildarn hands off me, you three-lipped blender. When I ask questions, I expect answers, you unwashed layabout. Baldrick? Master X! At last, hurry! There's not much time. If your Pip-Boy is detected, all of this will have been for naught. Where's Dolos? He... He's fallen, sir. Ah. Uh, I see. When? When everything went wrong. 
but not before preparing certain contingencies. Please, extend your arm. What are you doing? Disabling your Pip-Boy beacon. Hold still, please. Ah, there we are then. No beacon, no detection. Come along then, young master. We have work to do. And so do we. <laughs> Good luck with that. And you. With the Mr. Handy named Baldrick in the lead, Simon stepped back out once more into the column foggy autumn evening. Just at the end of a walkway idled a lone wanderer motorcycle with a bizarre looking sidecar. Metal arms were opened wide from it like the legs of a dead spider. Hurried along, Simon said instructed on the motorcycle. A baldric hovered over the sidecar, the arms clamping into his sides, a conduit slithering into an access port in his housing. Uh, I can't drive. No need, sir. Hand tight on the handles now. Tally-ho! In a puff of smoke, and the squealing of tires, the motorcycle rocketed down the roadway to the long-abandoned, but not entirely empty, halls of the once-immaculate White Spring Resort. Oh my God! Now, flip your book and turn the page as we return to Chad's perspective. And my, oh my, it appears that the pumpkin moonshine didn't agree with our top-heavy friend. See him there, thrashing in the bed, drenched in sweat, eyes darting below his lids. Have you ever had a bad dream, children? You know the kind I mean of something unholy slithering from your closet, or an icy, clutching, fetid hand ghosts a long, long finger across your foot sticking out from the blanket. Sure you have. And just as the creeping horror draws close and you can practically feel its foul breath upon you, you wake up. And a scream escapes from your lips. And the dark fades away. And the familiar sights and sounds of your own bedroom and the birds singing dawn welcome you back to the waking world. That is happening right now to our little friend here. As things forgotten but still just there, behind locked doors of the mind, scream and claw to be freed. And if we're quiet and creep inside his heartbeat thumping ear into a surprisingly empty head, we can see just what he's so frightened of. Ah, look, look, look. A long, dark hallway in an old, decrepit house. It appears as if burned. And here comes Chad, strapped into a wheelchair with a squeaking, rusty wheel. Please, uh, please. But everyone's waiting. It's your big day. Big day. Did you, you
can't see you. S stop for a minute. Let me see you. L let me see you. I, I won't tell. a nice cake. It wasn't a nice cake at all. The room they had emerged into was a carnival tent, ringed with stands, cracked, broken, and limbless mannequins sat frozen in place, unblinking and smiling at the center ring. The cake was a writhing mass of still living bodies and decayed flesh, moaning in torment, lurid light pooling over them from above. As Chad's eyes watered in terror, he watched as thorned and eye-caught-ripping vines slithered over the three-story stacked high perversion of a cake. The vines squeezed and pulsed, filling wailing mouths, emerging with a wet pop from pleading eye sockets in far more private places. A chorus of agonized wails, barely able to scream from shredded vocal cords, filled the room. Do you like it? We it ourselves. It's not, it's not, it's not my birthday. Stop. Let me out. You have to let me out. It's, it's not my birthday. Go. Go away. I have to go. Here, Here he comes. comes. He made just you. The mass of vines and living flesh quivered and pulsed. A wave of shifting limb-breaking movement traveling up from the bottom layer towards the top. Vines snapped, bodies tumbled and flew apart with a squelching cacophony as a long, terribly thin limb of a rippling shadow emerged from the top. Oh, dear God. Please. Please, just let me out. Oh, you can do that, silly. But you forgot. Mommy says to check your nails when you know dirt, baby. A second limb emerged from the cake, and the shadow form arms bent down, grasped the sides of the tiered moss below, crushing and silencing the voices where its hands laid purchase. Something was hauling itself up and out, darker than a moonless night. Twin tube shapes rising and glinting in the circus lights, slowly turning solid where shadow once had been. 
Chad thrashed at the chair, but the straps dug in, his skin splitting, blood dripping down to the sawdust floor. One by one, burst into flame. Crackling, plastic smoking fire filled the room with orange and red dancing light. And Chad felt himself slipping. He was looking into hell. The hell of old. The hell that the ancient masters alone had looked into and laid to canvas. Exquisite agony. Torment and the corruption of soul and flesh, perfectly captured in pigment. Oh, the mannequin slowly melted, revealing skeletons beneath. Jaws dropping open as the great glinting metal tubes cracked with an ear-splitting metallic click. They tipped slowly deliberately downward until Chad found himself looking into 30 feet barrels of hard, cold metal. You should have blown out the candles. You should have blown out the candles! An eardrum-piercing boom filled the room. Chad crying out in pain as his hearing was silenced by the concussion. Moving towards him now, down the barrels of metal were vault boy mascots ringed with fire, getting closer, closer. Ah! Ah! Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I have to... His room, his old familiar room. The nightmare already retreating like a swift moving tide. He remembered something important and then it was gone. Well, golly, what a whopper of a nightmare. Chad? Everything okay, my son? Yeah, Dad. I think so. Just a bad dream. Well, turn that frown upside down, kid, and come on downstairs. Your mom has bacon on the griddle and flapjacks a flippin'. Come on, you're gonna need a full breakfast to get your energy up before the big game tonight. Bacon and flapjacks? And fresh maple syrup? Gallons of syrup and mountains of slow melting butter. Oh boy, I'll be right down. Ah, <sighs> smell that. Smell what, Dad? Feet crunching leaves and pumpkins glistening with all the morning dew. It's gonna be a beautiful day. You best get a move on. You'll be late for school. I love you, Dad. I love you too, son. Isn't that just so wholesome, boys and girls? We'll see what we can do about that presently. <clears throat> With bellies full of streaky bacon and syrupy pancakes, little Chad and his sister Amata hurried down their dirt driveway until sneakers met the cracked asphalt and the long, looping sidewalk shaded by trees. 
Chad stopped and looked across the street at the now empty staring windows of their neighbor's home. The front door was still wide open from the night before, the morning dew dampening the linoleum tile just inside the door. This was no longer a home. It was the cursed shell where the unknown had visited, and in doing so, created a house no one dare look at. In the days to come, as had happened before, it would be the kind of house people would cross the street not to walk by it and get too close. He turned back to look at their farm, his father's back to them as he painted all that remained of Mrs. Smith. Moose trotted up, his football jersey stretched tight and grass-stained. What's shaking, Bacon? Hey, Amada. My stars, Moose. That jersey is disgusting. And it stinks. Our lucky jersey. I haven't washed it since we won the last game against the Main Street Mountaineer. Yeah, I can tell. Let's go, blockheads. We're going to be late. You go on, Amada. I want to check out Smith's place. The Smiths aren't the Smiths anymore. They're unnamed. We're not even supposed to be looking over there. Unnamed? What happened to Monsieur and Mrs. S? Mr. S just up and vanished. And Mrs. S lost it. What's going on and on about those rumors about the disappearances being all true? We are not supposed to be even talking about it. Let's go. Palsy's empty? Yeah. Neighborhood watch got her. Oh, come on. Let's go check it out. Chad, no. I'll tell Dad. You tell Pops, and it'll be the last time I cover for you when you sneak out. I want to find out what the hell happened right across the street, because I don't want it to happen to us. Do you? Come on, before someone sees. <sighs> Fine. But I'm coming with you. They crossed the street opened the walkway gate and moved cautiously up to the house. Moose, as usual, was the first person to enter, sauntering right in as if he'd owned the place. Chad followed, and Amata trailed in last, looking up and down the street to make sure no one had seen them enter. Chad gasped. What on earth? Gosh, Kate, someone cleared this place out awful fast. All the furniture is gone. Paintings, rugs, even the lighting fixtures. <sniffs> Smell that? Paint is still wet. Come on, let's check out the rest of the house. Hey, check this out. Over here in the hall. What is it? Here, grab hold of this corner here. There's some loose wallpaper underneath. That's odd. When did they have that wallpaper up? Maybe Mrs. S. couldn't pick on the right pattern. There's more. Keep peeling. Layer by layer, a single corner of the hallway had over 30 layers of wallpaper concealed beneath a still damp layer of whitewash paint. That doesn't make sense. After Reclamation Day, when our folks were rescued from Vault 76 and settled here, these houses were brand new. Since we were kids, I don't remember any of these wallpaper patterns. Do you? Nope. These were never here. But they were. 
they are. They've been here for a while. Look how yellowed the paste is on the back of these. Looks like we have ourselves a mystery, gang. I'll take Chad and search the basement. Amada, you go check out the bedroom and kitchen or something. Sounds good, dude. Hey, no, wait a minute. And keep it down. We get caught. We'll all be in trouble. Little Chad and Moose made their way down the creaking stairs, flicking the light switch a few times before descending. But no light met them. Gosh, someone really cleaned house. They ripped the light sockets right out of the ceiling. Come on. Shoes touched concrete that was surprisingly clean. Too clean. As if the concrete itself had been freshly poured. There wasn't so much as a speck of dust in a basement that very much should have plenty to spare. Alright, this place is giving me the heebie-jeebies. Let's head on out of here. We need to get to school. Hang on. Look, there is something. Over there, in the corner. And there was. One artifact that this house had ever been lived in at all. A small paper bag. Neatly creased and folded on top. Let's look inside. There might be a bloody hand or something. All that remains of Mr. Smith. A bloody hand? Come off it. So your big theory is that Mrs. S, what, chopped up her husband with an axe? Made up some story only to get taken out by the neighborhood watch? Sure. Why not? Baloney. Okay, tough guy. What's your big theory? I... I don't have one. What I know is my big ideas and big mouths sometimes get me in over my head. And this is one of those times. Well... You can go look at empty bedrooms with your know-it-all sis. Me? I'm checking out this bag. Purposefully, Moose strode across the concrete floor, his sneakers squeaking. Deftly, he reached down, carefully unraveled the top of the bag and looked inside at... nothing. Chad? What? What is it? It's... Nothing. It's empty? No, I... I mean... It's... Nothing. This thing? Is it right? Look. And Chad did. And he too saw nothing. Not an empty bag, mind you. No. Just a black void. Darker than a starless night. Darker than the deepest well. This... This isn't right. What is this thing? Maybe it's like an illusion or something. Like we saw at last year's fair when Brian was doing his magic act? I don't think so. Let me see if anything's in there. A curiosity not to be denied. Moose reached into the bag and kept reaching until his entire arm impossibly was inside up to the shoulder. I think I'm going to be sick. It's weird. It and feels... Hang on. I I got something. It's too gross. It's wet and squishy. Well, pull it out. I think it's a hand. Slowly, Moose's arm reappeared into view, 
and withdrawing his hand completely from the paper bag, they looked down at a football-sized chunk of rotting, fetid meat and something that had once been a tomato. Oh, well, not a hand, then. It's some kind of cosmic trash can. What kind of stuff was Mr. Smith up to down here? Surge me! Hey, we need to get a move on. We're late. Let's go. Close it up. Don't have to tell me twice. Closing the bag once more, they turned and started to walk towards the basement stairs when they heard the soft plock of paper meeting concrete. Turning around, they saw that the bag had unraveled and tipped over towards them. As their eyes widened in horror, the sound of distant thunder echoed upwards from inside the bag. Before they could move, the bag discharged its contents with the pressure of a fire hose. The force pinwheeling the bag across the floor, causing it to leap into the air. Rotting meat of all kinds. Vegetables, scrap metals, alternate ends, a junkyard and sewer trap all in one, swiftly filling the basement. Go, go. Run. What the hell is that? Later. Back up the stairs. They fled the house, tore across the lawn, and vaulted the white picket fence. Chad spun around to look back at the house, when suddenly he was grabbed firmly by the shoulders. Well, in a bit of a hurry this morning, aren't we, kids? Hey, let go of him. Uh, hey, Mr. Wilson, what's the trouble? The trouble? No, no, quite a lot, I would imagine, I've got you now, Chad Lockhart. Trespassing, meddling in town affairs. <laughs> I saw you, all three of you, running out of the Smith's house. Clear as day, clear as crystal. All three of you, when you should be at school. Well, well, we'll just see what the mayor has to say about this. Come on. Come on, all three of you, we're heading downtown. The mayor? That's what this is about? You know, Mr. Wilson, far be it for me to speak ill of my elders, but my dad was talking about you lobbying to get selected for the town planning and zoning board. Yes, and, and what of it? If you'll beg the pardon, sir, I wonder if your aggressive civic duty isn't motivated by a certain degree of hopeful personal gain. What? Did you just say to me? He said you're a brown noser with a lot more words than a simple farm girl would have used, Mr. Wilson. Kids, think you have it all figured out, don't you? <laughs> oh, soon enough, you'll find out just how little you really know now. March! Come on, gang. I guess we have no choice but to tell the mayor. <laughs> tell the mayor. Oh, a confession. Oh, come on, kids. Put up a little fire. It's all the more fun. No fuss, Pops. You saw us coming out of that house. Yes. So, you were looking at that house. Yes. You heard him, gang. Not only was he looking where he shouldn't be, but he used a name's name. Come on, 
We're all in this together, I guess. Let's go face the music. Those are serious charges. Probably could ruin someone's chances for a job. Oh well. Get out! Get out of here! Scram! Oh, but you mock my words. You'll all get yours in the end! All of you! All of you! Come on! Bye, Mr. Wilson! <laughs> See you later! Wind in their hair, and time not on their side. They pelted down the sidewalk. Two streets, three streets, four streets over, passing the brick storefronts that bordered the town common, past the tall town hall with its bell-ringing tower, all the way to chain-link fence-bordered school. A swish of the big wooden and glass door, and then sneakers attempting not to squeak on freshly polished tile and failing to do so. For pity's sake, Chad, walk quieter. I'm trying. Moose and I have sneakers. You have girly loafer things. Rats. First period started. We go into class now, and we'll be pinched for sure. We need to hide somewhere until class ends, and then we can just get to the next class with everyone else. Uh, American Civics with Mr. Williams. He's such a drip. Where can we go? I don't think we can all fit in my locker. I'd rather be unnamed than be crammed up against you and your smelly jersey for 40 minutes. There are girls in this school who would jump for the chance. No accounting for taste. Quit it, you two. Come on. Mr. Fletcher has back office in the library with nothing in it but some old filing cabinets and junk. No one goes back there. Then how do you know about it? I necked in here with Veronica Miller a few weeks back. You did? Me too! She gave me one hell of a hickey. Tell me about it. She gave me one right on my... Gross. Let's go. And go they did. Before long, they were crouched low, sneaking past Mr. Fletcher the librarian who was at his desk writing. A slow, quiet opening and closing of the doors later, and they were in the quiet back office. They pulled out some old blankets and sat, talking in hushed tones, and waited. Moose smirkingly pulled out a concealed flask of his special moonshine, and they all sipped, even Amata, who clucked her tongue in reproach, but drank it just the same. Warm bellies, and with a curious feeling in their heads, the minutes ticked past. After a little while, they stopped speaking and listened to slowly raising voices, an argument. Drawing close to the door, they opened it just a crack, looked out and collectively gasped. Oh my God! We'll get back to our friends presently, but first... We have an appointment at the White Spring Resort, whose first guest in a very long time is now pulling up out front. Now, flip the book and turn the page as we return now to Simon's perspective once more.
The White Spring Resort, when he had last seen it, had been uncharacteristically pristine due to the dutiful nature of the forever regenerating, forever cleaning army of robots. And now, however, the great lawn and gardens by its entrance looked as though... As though someone threw one hell of a Halloween party here and never bothered to clean up. I was about to say that bit, but pray continue. What happened here? Ah, mischief night, some troublemaking moved to the clubhouse after clearing it out of some undesirables and got up to all sorts of trouble. Shortly after... The event, a few of the raiders occupied the resort for a while. A new branch of responders laid claim to the resort, leading to a rather spectacularly messy battle. In the end, they won, and the raiders headed off to the top of the world, I believe. Who's in charge here now? Ah, well, that's the problem, sir. A child, princess. If we can get past her, we can get to the elevator up to the suite. You're already a registered guest, so access to the upper stories and rooms is as simple as a hand to the scanner. She rules their lower levels. A kid? <laughs> no problem. I'm great with kids. Welcome to the White Spring Resort. Accessing guest registry, guest found. Welcome back, Lord Rex. Try to enjoy your stay, however hard that may be. What happened to you? Whatever do you mean, sir? You seem a little different. He's a little frazzled, sir. Different. Different. Well, sir, you'd be different if you had to deal with the absolute mess those responders left after taking over. Mud on the floors, dirty footprints on the carpet, dust on the tables. It's been an absolute nightmare. I filled a formal complaint with Stratford. However, he seems to be not his usual self lately. Sir, it's best if we just go. Okay, well anyway, if you'll excuse me, we'll just be... And then, then, came last Halloween with all the explosions outside, folks on the lawn, spray painting and buildings on fire. It's enough to drive a Mr. Handy mad. Mad, I tell you! Right. Uh, okay, see ya. Mud! Mud on your shoes, too! Do you not have any regard for the White Spring Resort? Can you get the hell out of my way and have a breakdown somewhere else? And that little brat! It's been nothing but chaos since she's been here. Constantly causing a ruckus, riding that giddy-up buttercup up and down the halls. Oh, you wouldn't believe what she did on the front lawn. What? What did she do? Oh, it's... wow, such a shame. Well, we'll just see about this. Stratford will get such a formal complaint from me, I can tell you. Right, that's sorted. Come on. What the hell? Yes, she's walled off the lobby. I'm afraid there is no way to get around. I had to go out the second story window. It was most distressing. Hold it right there, smooth skin. Did you bring a treat? Or do you want a trick? Oh, uh, oh, hi, sweetie. 
I'm a guest here and just need to get by. Do you think you can let me and my friend in? Uh, I don't think so. You're not even dressed right. Dressed right? For Halloween. Oh, yeah, I'm a vault dweller, see? Originally, uh, Vault 76. Uh, yeah, look, it's an, it's an original vault uh, suit and everything. Where's your hat? My what? For that to be a costume, you need that little Reclamation Day hat. <laughs> that is no costume. Yeah, I lost it. Are you going to open up or what? This is my resort now. And if you want to get in, you need a real costume. How about you tell me what your dad dressed like so I can come up there and smack you upside the head in character? Oh, yes, sir. You're very good with children. This should go well. How dare you? Do you know who I am? It's Snowballs. Ow! Stop, you little bitch! Right, that's it. Come on. Where are we going? To talk to the management. Simon and Baldrick drifted down into the once pristine halls of the White Spring Resort. Now cluttered and filthy in such a short time once humans had returned to haunt its halls. Though they no longer remained, the ghosts of their occupation were everywhere. Coffee stains, cluttered slipshod shelving, crates, trash and debris thrown everywhere. Simon wondered what Lord Grawl himself, if he was still alive, would think of the resort the aristocrats had once called home. The once open White Spring Mall was now enclosed by some rickety wooden wall. What is this? The responders put up a wall for some reason, sir. Well, one, two, three. I'm not a fan of closed-in spaces. What's with all this noise, then? Ah, Lord Rex. It's wonderful to have you back at the White Spring. Back at the White Spring. Back at the White Spring. Welcome to the White Spring. Deputy Acting Assistant Manager Stratford, at your service. Uh-huh. Look, Stratford, we're having trouble with a vagrant upstairs. A vagrant? In the White Spring? Certainly not. It's clean. It's clean. It's clean here. Responders, please leave. Responders, why are you dirty? Why are you ruining everything? Welcome to the White Spring. Jeez, they really did a number on you guys. Stratford, who is currently in charge of the White Spring Resort? As the most senior member of the remaining staff, it is my privilege to oversee operations and guest relations to the best of my ability. But who is in charge? I don't understand. Yeah, I know. Look, who is the owner and purveyor of the White Spring Resort? The managerial and ownership body of the White Spring Resort fell to the members of the apocalyptic aristocracy. The Duke replaced Lord Grawl as general manager. However, he's been missing for years now. To both of them, the mantle of leadership had fallen after the death of President and CEO Wilbur Ainsley III. Uh-huh, right. And Lord Grawl is... Dead, sir. Uh-huh. And the rest of the aristocracy are... Dead or missing. Okay, good. And one more question. Who, right now, would be next in line for leadership of the White Spring Resort? I... I don't, uh... My name is Lord Simon Rex, 
firstborn and only son of Lord Basil Rex, founder of the Appalachia Trading Company, member first standing, AAA1 enrolled, grand champion of the Black Friday hunt. I defeated all members of EAT. I bested first hunter Lord Grawl in fair combat. I've survived death claws, radiation poisoning, special services from your fucking massage bot. I've been shot, choked, poisoned, eviscerated, tortured, and vaporized by lightning on a merry-go-round from hell. I've spent four years in a living nightmare, frozen, unable to move, speak, or hear, but was aware of every second that passed in an icy void, in a cold so deep in my bones, I shall still feel it a long time from now when my body fails me and death finally at last can do something with me. So I will ask you one more time. Who am I? You are acting president and CEO of the White Spring Resort. That's right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Rally the staff, create additional staff if you need to, tear all of this shit down, burn all the responder furnishings out back. We're going to clean house, and until further notice, all staff are to treat any and all randos, layabouts, quest givers, and passers-by as trespassers to be terminated with extreme prejudice. Got it? We shall execute your commands with gusto, sir. Fine. That's her treat. Take two assaultrons and show Princess to the exit. I'll see to it personally, sir. Good. Owen oh, Stratford, the vertebrate. Leave that be. That's the only thing they were kind enough to leave behind that can be useful. Come on, Baldrick. And with that, Simon and Baldrick turned and marched back upstairs, just in time to hear Princess being dragged screaming as the wall was torn apart by White Spring security. Hey! Excuse me? Let me go! I live here! Not anymore. You can't treat a kid like this! Thanks for dropping by, Princess. Wait till I tell everyone what you did! <laughs> Alrighty then. You're an asshole! I'm trying. Bye-bye then. <sighs> See, Baldrick? Could I have gotten a costume by going on a thrilling Halloween quest, humoring her in order to get through her gate? Absolutely. Was this more efficient? Absolutely. Up we go. The elevator slid open, and with a clang, the metal doors closed. The elevator rose steadily towards the suite where Simon hoped answers would await. And wait for answers, so will you, boils and ghouls. This concludes part one of Little Sanctuary of Horrors. Please stay tuned for a thrilling conclusion. Until then, pleasant screams. <laughs>